Late game jazz, road trip reunions, and Max Bretos, the soccer OG and a Cavs fan. To talk about the World Cup and Donovan Mitchell ahead of the reunion between the Jazz and the Cavs on Monday night. This is Round Ball Roundup on utahjazz.com. I'm JP Chunga on the Utah Jazz Podcast Network, presented by First Colony Mortgage, the official mortgage lender of the Utah Jazz, and MLS number 3112, Equal Housing Lender. There's this new ward going to be out and honored for players this year that's called the Jerry West Award for the most clutch performance in the entire year. It's something that the NBA is doing this year where they're involving names and taking the historic trophies and giving themselves players from the past to recognize their accomplishments in the award. Michael Jordan, MVP, John Havlicek, Sixth Man of the Year, George Mikan, of course, as the Most Improved Player Award. They're giving them that. But they created a new award. It's called the Clutch Award. And it's after Jerry West. If you don't know anything about Jerry West, know that he's the logo of the NBA. His visage is linked with this league. Time as a player, time as a coach, time as a general manager. He's been at all three levels. And he was so clutch that even as a historic finals loser, he would go to the finals and his teams would lose. But even as a historic loser on teams in the finals, people recognized that guy's clutch. He is Mr. Clutch, as he was nicknamed. And he remains the only player on the losing team to win the finals MVP because of how good that he was. Everybody could recognize it. And if you watch the Jazz this year, everyone could recognize how important Mike Conley is because he's that good. And Thursday night was it. There's a reason why. 30 seconds left in regulation as JC is seeing a possession go out of his hands. He's chasing for it on the floor. That he has the trust in Mike Conley to just flip it to him and know that something good's going to happen is Mr. Clutch. Mike takes it to the middle, collapses the defense, and then kicks it out to Lowry Markinen for the three. Even in chaos, even in a broken-down possession, Mike Conley has the presence of mind, the steady hand, to do the right thing in the clutch. I looked at the advanced numbers. His assist-to-turnover ratio in close games is better than Chris Paul. It's top 10. He doesn't turn the ball over when it's a close game. And to lose a possession when it's... You know, determined by one or two good looks at the end, yeah, you need to keep the ball. He keeps it. He doesn't give it away. But it wasn't just Mike. Jordan Clarkson made some tough shots, something that he is wont to do. And there's a reason why in close games, he's a top 10 scorer. He's right there. It was him and Mike trading off possessions. And you knew Jordan Clarkson could handle that because he had Mike Conley in his pocket. If things went haywire, he could find Mike, and he knew Mike could make a play. But beyond that, like Walker Kessler closing, a rookie, defending the rim against Zion, making his life difficult, and he made Zion miss a couple shots in overtime, and at the end of the regulation, he was protecting the rim, but he grabbed a big offensive rebound 
and put back in overtime. Walker Kessler playing in those moments is going to go a long way to his development. And if he could be Kavon Looney, because that looked very Looney-ish, the way that he grabbed the rebound and put it right back in. If he could be Kavon Looney, a winning player, 10 years in the league, easy. Won't be close. He's already a top 10 rookie this year, very much threatening for first-team all-rookie. Walker Kessler protecting the rim, being an option down low, catching lobs, can go a long way in the league. Be a modern player. And that's the ceiling for him. If he can do that, you can stick around. That's why so many people are excited about Walker Kessler. He closes and it looks like he fits in. He doesn't stick out. They didn't attack him in every single action. He looked like a player who deserved to be at that spot. And then Nikhil Alexander-Walker. He has to be a hero last night. He played pretty close to the end. They took him out with three minutes to go in the fourth quarter. He was defending C.J. McCollum after he was going infrared in the third quarter. Nikhil Alexander-Walker taking to the game defensively is going to go a long way to keep him around this league. Because I don't know after that trade last season, they were just trying to get some tax relief, that Nikhil Alexander-Walker was going to be a person on this team or going to be even an NBA player. But he is. He's showing on the defensive end. And he defended CJ so much that McCollum didn't look like he wanted to be in there towards the end. He had a chance to tie the game in overtime, and you could tell he wasn't going for the shot because he front-rimmed it. He didn't have the legs to make it. But he was trying to get a foul late in game, and he missed the shot because he got tired. Happens. But Jazz are playing in the clutch. 20 games with a game within five points, and they've gotten 10 and 10. Mind you, six of those without Mike Conley. The only win that they have is that Golden State one, and I, I still don't even know how they pulled that one out. The Simone Fintecchio dunk. And it's clear when he's not out there, it gets more chaotic. You need a level head in the Jazz chaos. Denver, they desperately missed him. Taylor Horton Tucker, Nikhil Alexander-Walker don't have the steady hand of a 16-year veteran. Nikhil, even though he was scoring a lot, 27 against the Nuggets, six turnovers, giving the ball away, having hectic possessions where he almost had a turnover. And his were a lot of passing ones because he's trying to make the bright play. He gives it away, and it's going to the other end. That being said, they really played well in that game, and they kept it close with the MVP. And then Minnesota, that was a close game, but Mike Conley clearly wasn't all the way back. He was on a minutes restriction, which was a written rule. I'm not sure what the unwritten rules for his play were that day. That brings me to one of the worst topics of all when it comes to basketball, and it's the way that some players got into their feelings about Rudy Gobert laying the ball in as time expired. And it was disappointing to see the reaction from some broadcasters because they called Rudy Gobert a Bush League player, and he is unequivocally not. If you're going to press, a team's going to score. A team's going to break that press. And the Jazz were still pressuring the ball when they weren't going to win a game. So if Rudy Gobert lays it in, you pressed. I don't know. That's what happens when you press. And it's disappointing that that ruined Rudy's night 
when he comes back after nine years, 600 games, playoff runs into the second round, game-winning blocks, defensive player of the years, it's ruined because there's a presentation that he's a Bush League player, and it couldn't be further from the truth. This is a sport where people are recognized if they're too small in the post, where you rock the baby, where you dance after you make a three, and then all of a sudden, when you lose, you're going to be in your feelings? I don't know if that's the way to go. I don't know if we want to become baseball as a basketball community. And I hope this road trip is not ruined for Joe Ingles. It's not ruined for Donovan Mitchell. It's not going to be ruined for Boyan Bogdanovich because they're going to be going against their former teams. Joe's not going to be playing. But to get in your feelings and not allow a former player to go out there and shake hands after the game on the other side, it hurts. They put in real time here. I hope Donovan and Boyan get the opportunity to say hi to the Jazz after their games this weekend. But back to the actual game. D'Angelo Russell, if he gets hot like that, okay, it's a regular season game. I don't think he can do that for four straight games in a playoff series. So you take it. Take the good with the bad. But Mike Conley as a level head in the chaos, I don't know exactly the criteria for the Jerry West Clutch Award, but Mike Conley, even without making game winners, deserves to receive some votes. Five stars. Nice reviews. That's all I ask of you. Let others know that you're listening to the podcast. The soccer OG, Max Bretos, joins the show. LAFC as well in Major League Soccer. But you may recognize him as a former Sports Center anchor. He pops on to pop off about Donovan Mitchell and how good he's been in a Cavs uniform. You'll hear that and what we expect from the World Cup final. I know Leandro Balmaro will be watching. Argentina and France. It's going to be a good one. Here he is, the soccer OG, Max Bretos, on Round Ball Roundup on utahjazz.com. When it comes time to move, it's always a hassle. Loading everything in the truck, hoping the priceless antique from your mother doesn't break, and trying to juggle the kids and dog in the middle of it all is enough to drive anyone crazy. But it doesn't have to be that way. The friendly, background-checked movers at Bailey's Moving and Storage have the expertise to move your family across town or even around the world. So when it's time to move, think Bailey's Moving and Storage. Call today at 801-218-2640 or check them out online at baileysallied.com. Cup, we know there's that synergy between them and there's a lot of common interests and the closer those worlds get, the better it is, I think, certainly for soccer. We'll see how it is for the NBA, but I know people get a kick out of it because there's a lot of ties that bind the two. How, oh how, did you become a Cavs fan? Pretty straight, <laughs> pretty straightforward. And JP, I'm a lot older than I look. But uh, when I was, a I was born in Northeast Ohio, my mom went to Oberlin College, which is very uh, well thought of liberal arts school there and while she was going there I was born and I left when I was five um, so we moved around a lot eventually ended up in Miami but when I ended up in Miami they didn't have they only had the Dolphins and Miami Hurricanes and eventually they had NBA and then I probably should have pivoted to being a Heat fan but I was like so embedded I kind of just said I'll be the Cavs which was a huge mistake because it was a lot of suffering 
And I was there when it was like world be free and Roy Hinson and they try to get into the playoffs, which sometimes, they, you know, I remember early on there, they would battle with the Bulls and a very young Michael Jordan to qualify for that eighth spot in the East. Obviously the Bulls went in and then they got a good team and there were some good moments, which were followed by more agony with Craig Elo and uh, injury riddled Mark Price and Larry, great team, Brad Darty, who had, whose uh, career was cut short, but we had a payoff eventually. And I don't watch as much NBA as I used to because of the soccer takes so much time, but uh, the Cavs of, because of the, the, the time that I put into it and suffering, it, I feel it makes you a better fan and man, no one suffered more than me. I remember that, that Jordan shot on Craig Elo. I was sitting, I was, must've been 12, 11, 12 years old and just sitting there at my tiny little TV at home, just devastated, almost near tears. So I've, I've, I've paid my dues. Well, and then you get 2016, only yeah. one of the greatest accomplishments by an athlete in all of yeah. sports. I was going to bring this up later, but if Lionel Messi wins for Argentina, how does that compare to a Cleveland LeBron winning one for his city? That's a, that's a great uh, comparison. And I mean, LeBron James, what he did for that city, for a, 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 not just the Cavs, but a long-suffering sports city. Because I remember that same year, I suffered through the World Series because of the Indians as well. Or the, the, then, then the Indians, now the Guardians. So um, uh, going to Game 7, it was just so difficult to swallow. And, you know, the, the Cavs were heading that same direction. But the fact that LeBron James, you know, maybe he gets criticized for going to Miami in the first place, but the fact that he said, I have an unfinished business. I'm from that area. And, and look, the, the Cavs, it was a, it was a messy divorce too, that he came back to finish. That was, you know, not just winning it there, but you know, when you look at the, the, the annals of history, they made what three finals uh, or four final, three final. I can't even remember. This is crazy. Cause they never made one final. And now you look at the history, Cavs, 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 but you had to win that one. And that was huge. And it's, there's some similar binds with, uh, Lionel Messi, uh, but you know this has just been a singular, uh, just passion for him and for the country, uh, and how everyone there wants to do it for Lionel Messi. Uh, it's a little different in that sense. And if he's uh, accomplish it, if they lose on Sunday, it's he he is certainly this is the fact that he's playing in this World Cup and having his his best World Cup. This is better than he's played in 2018, 14, 10, 6. He is, this is at 35, he is the most influential he's been at a World Cup. And if it falls short, I hope history is still very kind on him. But I hope it doesn't because it would be a beautiful story. And some people are critical of Lionel Messi and they'll always be. But to see his country, his teammates rally around him is, it, 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 it's breathtaking to see that, uh, that love for him. So I hope we have a happy ending. On LeBron, he goes to the finals so many times, ends up on the wrong end. Lionel going to the final, if he gets on the wrong end, doesn't really diminish a GOAT argument in my no. mind. Maybe it's a dumb argument to have about the GOAT. I mean, I'm a Maradona guy, and he's always the greatest player because of what he did club and country on a shorter amount of time. But I bet you if you ask Maradona, he'd probably say Messi. Yeah, look at that. I mean, Mar but Maradona is such an interesting figure for so many ways, tortured. And um, and then obviously Pele, I wasn't around to see enough of Pele to, you know, you go with what you said in the history, but, you know, from 1950s to the 70s to be, for Brazil to win back-to-backs in the 60s and just be so, 
so massive and 1970 as well that uh, he is there. But you know, Messi's there. There's that. There's that. There's tears, and there's no doubt about that. When you mention the greats, there's the three of them. If you put maybe Cristiano Ronaldo, I'm not sure. But I mean, it's a silly game to play at the end. I mean, people still talk about it. If someone drags me into a Messi Ronaldo conversation, or if I'm in a restaurant, I'll probably try and walk out. <laughs> Just go, oh, what's that? Oh, I'll be right back. My wife's texting me. I'll be... So, what's with the experience like watching the Cavs this year? I saw the tweet of you recognizing that you didn't realize how good Donovan Mitchell would be. He's been on fire for this team. I, well, and I know it, I didn't watch enough of the Jazz. So when he came to the Cavs, I'm like, I knew Donovan Mitchell, but you so, saw him so infrequently. I'd roll his eyes and go, yeah, he's a good player. Now I see him now, and I'm like, oh, my God. This is just a dominant force as a, as a shooter, as an, an athletic guy who can get baskets anywhere on the court. I mean, there's, there's like five guys in the league that are like that. So I feel disrespectful towards Donovan Mitchell that I didn't carry him at this level. But I'll ask you, is, have you seen him at the Cavs? Has this been an improvement? I mean, what is he averaging 30 points a game? This has got to be a, a, at least a little improvement of what he was with the Jazz. It seems like it's been a, a really nice uh, landing spot because of the teammates. I think he benefits having those two big players in Mobley underneath that have kind of helped his game. Is there a difference in your eyes? So it's... Very similar to what he played in Utah, but he's adding the defense to it. And and you can tell when players play with joy. Towards the end, it got a little laborious going against the playoff wall and losing every single time. Now in a new place, I mean, it's a win for both sides. Jazz got sure. players that they enjoy, and Donovan gets a new situation where he's playing with teammates that benefit his success. He's had these runs of scoring, the playoffs in the bubble, where he's scoring 50 points. Right, right. He is capable of this, but doing it for a regular season, putting a ceiling on that guy, I decided not to do it when he was on the Jazz. Maybe the bigger story, too, is how Laurie Markkinen has turned into this all-star <laughs> Yes, I didn't see it, but what a great trade! And I think you know, look when you when you get traded to the Cavs with no LeBron James, I'm sure your body drops. Uh, I think Dan Gilbert has been uh, uh, vindicated in some way for how he runs this club, and Kobe Altman has been a great GM. But I mean, that's kind of changed. I mean, you get traded to the Cavs, and Donovan Mitchell clearly has uh, grabbed this. Is this his long term home? Who knows? But you know, success certainly brings that. But again. We've seen the NBA, you know, Kawhi Leonard wins the title with Toronto and then books out of there. So it, it depends what the players want and the ball's in their court, literally. But uh, it seems like Donovan Mitchell's found a good spot there with the Cavs. But you win a title. If you win a title, it, it's all worth it in the end. Give yeah. give me if, a ring. Yeah, if you get one, and it, it's it'll be interesting. I mean, the you know, the West is a mess right now. And then, you know, but the East, you certainly have the Celtics and... The Bucks, the Nets that are going to be there. Cavs, I think, are third or fourth right now in the East. So if they can maintain that, I mean, there's a chance that they dip. They have some injury. You know, some guys that have had injury concerns, it'll probably surface again. But they have a shot, I think. I mean, they're certainly in that first-class cabin of NBA teams. So you would, you'd want to win one sooner than later with Donovan because uh, I'm sure he's going to want to challenge himself. I hope uh, it would be with the Cavs, but we'll see. How optimistic are you on on their year? the rest of the way i mean I, I try to keep the bar low because i didn't expect this i mean you saw signs of it last year and they really tailed off at the end but this is a team that um 
has maintained a, I mean, you always wait for a bad patch and they'll lose a couple games and then they come right back. So I think they're, they're here to stay as long as they stay healthy. And I would like, I think you definitely want to make, you want to win a playoff series. So if you're in the conference semis, that is a great season. That's exceeded expectations, but the way they played, maybe we put it at conference finals. And if they, they bow out there, they have a foundation maybe for next year, but who knows? They're right there with the top guys. Like you said, Celtics, Bucks, they're in a class of their own, but puncher's chance when it comes to the playoffs, it's all about matchups. I figure some of these teams near the bottom and the heat, like the heat um, are going to catch up and they're going to figure things out. So the, and even in the West, you figure the Warriors and even the Lakers will have a good second half and the playoffs could be un- non-traditional in the sense that a, an eight or a seven or a 10 seed might make a deep run. Now let me tell you about First Colony Mortgage. They've been serving the lending needs of Utah for more than 35 years. As a mortgage banker, First Colony Mortgage offers advantages over other lenders. Not only do they process mortgages, they also underwrite, fund, and close mortgage loans all in-house. Their expert team is ready to help you with your home financing needs. Just check them out. First Colony Mortgage, the official mortgage lender of the Utah Jazz. The World Cups version is going to 48 teams. The NBA's is going to 10. How do you like that for a transition? This World Cup, this final, what excites you about it? There's a, I mean, it's, it's really a perfect final. I mean, it's more than you could hope for, you know, the reigning champs. And then you have this resurgent Argentina that has veered away from winning a World Cup going back to 1986. Uh, They've been tortured. Uh, tormented through all of this and they want to kind of become that top tier team which they're certainly capable of and it's more than Lionel Messi I mean they have an incredible coach who's punched hit all the right buttons they have this young forward Julian Alvarez who uh, has to me rescued the tournament without him none of this is possible and uh, young players that that just are would would literally die for Lionel Messi young and old and uh, that is is just unbelievable to see so you have the reigning champs. I mean, we've had teams repeat as champions, but that was in the 30s and the 60s. The sport has changed where repeating is almost impossible. And France really is the number one world power right now. It's not Brazil. It's not Germany or Italy. It's France, especially if they're able to win back-to-back trophies, but they made the 06 final, the 98 they won it. So recent history shows France is the gold standard. So you have... The gold standard versus this team that wants to get back up there. You have a European team versus the Americas. If you look at the history of the World Cup, we've had Europe versus Europe in so many finals. Uh, last World Cup, it was all Europe semifinals. And that doesn't feel like a World Cup. So this feels like a proper World Cup final. And then you have Messi and Mbappe. And we talk about Messi's spot in the world pecking order. But if Mbappe wins back-to-back World Cups with what he has done on, on the, the club level, I mean, where, where, where does he sit? Uh, certainly at what 22 23 years of age this is unbelievable i mean this is unprecedented so you look at all of that 
and it's a great final. And all that said, I know we're going to lock in on M Messi and Mbappe. What's exciting for me is somebody else has to have that moment, I think, because uh, these teams will do their best to quell those guys. You have to, or you're going to lose. You have to quell Messi. You have to quell Mbappe. And we'll see what happens. Argentina is playing great. France is kind of lagging into the final. I felt their last two games, they uh, were lucky to advance. Um, but uh, it doesn't matter. We've seen so many weird bounces change a game. I, I get the feeling the, the Sunday final will be the same. How did France do this? Because they had to deal with so many injuries coming into the cup. And I look at how they did it last time and Paul Pogba was everywhere covering ground Conte not being involved in this side how did they get to this moment where they're backing their way into a world cup final and a chance to repeat I think the swagger is there you put on that shirt it immediately scares people I mean that's something you can't really measure but I think that's you know they, they see that rooster and people are like oh it's France and Didier Deschamps has to get a lot of credit. I think he knows his team pretty well because uh, he pushed the right buttons. I, I tell people the Morocco game was fascinating because Morocco says, we don't want possession. And then France came out and said, well, we don't want possession. Here's the ball. And Morocco was like, what? Uh, what do we do with this thing? I, go, I don't care. You kick it around. So they're kicking it in the back. And that was a masterstroke. So he's really, I mean, he, he absorbed so much pressure. And then they found that moment against the English. So Didier Deschamps should whatever credit he gets is not enough and then just what they've done to develop the game in france because keep in mind they're not just developing this french team you look at morocco and uh several african countries have french-born players that are eligible to play for france but there's no room so there's something about the development of the game there in france and that's not changing because look they just you mentioned Conte and pogba uh aurelien chouameni is looking like he's better than Pogba, at least on the, well, on both stages, club and country. So um, it's it's terrifying, I think, for everyone who opposes the French, because I don't think this is ending anytime soon. And what about Argentina? Beyond Lionel Messi, you mentioned some of the names and what they've been able to do. They've trended up. What's going on with them? Argentina is a very unique circumstance because the development of their game has not gone as well uh, their league has suffered. Uh, Argentina deals with uh, economic issues constantly. And because of that, I mean, if you look at the Argentine league, it's just fallen so far off the Brazilian league where there's a lot of money and resources. And there's more money coming in because they sell their players expensive. Argentina, these clubs have to sell them at below market value because these clubs are desperate for money. So it's the Argentine system's kind of broken but they still produce so much talent. They're so well supported that it, it's pretty, it's kind of remarkable that they are here when you think about it. And Messi is a big part of it. I mean, there's some great players, Julian Alvarez, Enzo Fernandez, uh, Giovanni Lo Celso, who was injured, um, but he's a little bit older. I mean, it's not the sexiest roster when you look at it as it applies to the club game, but um, they have a coach who figured, figured things out, played to his strengths, found the way to, put Messi in a position where they can get the most out of it. I don't know if Argentina can do this without Messi moving forward. They need to revitalize the program a little bit. I mean, the good young players, Alvarez and Fernandez really lead the pack. They're going to want some more, but uh, the best young players seem to be coming out of Brazil. Uh, there are some South American teams like Ecuador 
that are, are moving in the right direction. Argentina just had an incredible run. Um, but I wonder if it's uh, they have to seize this opportunity because it might be really hard for them to get back. I mean, South American football is not in a great place right now. I mean, uh, overall, the Brazilian leagues is good, but, you know, they had only four teams in the World Cup. Only two made it to the round of 16 and only one made it to the semis. So uh, there's this is a nice ride, but there's work to be done for Argentina to maintain it the way the French have. Were you surprised by how many European teams made it in this World Cup because it was in a different part of the world that usually doesn't favor those teams? Yeah, I think when the round of 16 came out, it was set up for, okay, this is going to be against the kilt kind of World Cup. I thought Japan had a good chance they should make it. Maybe the U.S. They certainly did. Uh, Thank goodness for Morocco. Without Morocco, we would really be having this conversation possibly with three we would have been three european teams and it could have been four european teams if argentina doesn't get through against the dutch so uh europe is so far ahead of everyone and uh, that's not going to change i mean that european championship that we just had i mean that england italy final was a world cup final that's as good as probably what we'll see on sunday that was uh just phenomenal where you feel like you're watching a world cup because the European teams are so good. So uh, the world has to catch up. I think we've seen good signs out of Africa. We've seen good signs out of Asia. And that might be because we're in the Asian region. Although I, uh, Japan and Korea, for instance, I don't see how they have a huge edge playing in Qatar. And the the Americas have some work. I mean, we always talk about a combined Copa America. I would love to see it. And I think uh, it's mutually beneficial Argentina, Brazil, and South America certainly at least need USA and Mexico, and USA and Mexico needs Argentina and Brazil. All the other stuff has to fall into place. We'll we'll see, but um, you got to make a reaction. Or the the Europe has the best leagues. They have all the money. They have all the resources. They have all the good coaching. Not all the even, but even the good Argentine and Brazilian coaches end up in in Europe. So it's it's a losing proposition. So the rest of the world has to be creative here. I don't know if they're ready to do it, but it's, I think it's essential or we're going to see more European domination. What's been the most memorable part of the tournament so far for you? I think the U S performing the way they did was, uh, was, was great. Cause that could have gone really bad. And for them to have a little, even fighting against the Dutch late, you know, to give us a thrill with that goal. And I mean, they, they had a couple more chances. I mean, that obviously on a personal level was great. The uh, I, Louis Van Hall, you know, we, we kind of said, all right, he's 71. He's dealing with prostate cancer. Maybe uh, he kept talking big talk for the Dutch and they weren't really all that talented, but to, to kind of get them there and the, the free kick that he had against Argentina. I mean, that, that's the one moment where I jumped off my couch and blew a gasket. It was almost brought me. I was like, he's been sitting on that so long. And he uh, pulled that out. Uh, I was talking to my friend Vince and he, Vince LaRosa, and he mentioned this and I, I, I kind of want to piggyback it, but the video after Croatia, Brazil, where Ivan Pedesic's son ran out to embrace Neymar. And we didn't hear what was said, but it was something like, Hey, don't worry about it. You'll get, it was like, that just, that hit me very hard too. So there are those nice moments and uh, Morocco, the players dancing with their mothers and what they were able to accomplish. Um, that's a great sign. Cause you know, Ashraf Hakimi should be playing for Spain. Hakim uh, Ziyech could be probably playing for France, and there they decided with Morocco. That's an important factor to come out of this World Cup.
I think Morocco is a, is a very good team that should come back to the next World Cup and be pretty competitive in that one as well. It's the best sporting event. There is no second place that rivals it is the World Cup, and that's why I had to talk to the soccer OG on the Utah Jazz podcast. <laughs> and honored to be there. I hope the, the Utah Jazz fans get a kick out of it. But I never get to talk about Cavs. So we, we ran the spectrum there, even going back to the mid-'80s. Well, everybody usually when they bring you on, talk about the modeling days. Tell me about living in Italy. No, I want to know about the Cavs. I want to know about your your connection to Craig Elo and Brad Doherty. That's why. That's Love why. Craig Elo. He deserves he deserves he deserves a better perception. But uh, he had some. He was a great baller. Washington State. The soccer OG on Round Ball Roundup. Max, thank you so much. Thanks, JP.